Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Hodges. I'm the host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Welcome. Glad you could join us. And uh, we are so pleased to be with you. Uh, this is um, a production of the Common Sense Show. We call it Hiding in Plain Sight. And it's where we're taking topics that we typically don't cover. Um, and I've said this is a little bit like, oh, I don't know, Art Bell. But we're not imitating Art Bell. But we're going to open up to a whole range of possibilities, not necessarily cover some of the esoteric stuff that Art covered. But we're going to do it our way, but we're going to do it in a way that's kind of outside geopolitics. And sometimes we'll overlap into geopolitics. This is one of those times. This is episode number two. And we're going to talk about who was the real Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, we're right in the vicinity now of, what, the 60th anniversary of the murder of JFK. And, of course, the government would like you to believe it was Lee Harvey Oswald. Even though Congress came out later in 1977, did their own investigation, they go, yeah, it might have been Oswald, but it was also somebody else, and they had evidence. I'll talk about it in the uh, show. But I, I think you'll find this to be really interesting because a lot of people don't know the real Lee Harvey Oswald. I feel like i got a good handle on it. It's something that um, one of my mentors in this field, Jim Mars, late Jim Mars, told me, he said, Dave, you've done a good job digging up this stuff about Oswald. Most of this stuff I'm going to give you today is knowledge you can research. It's not proprietary for me. Uh, some of the things I found in the 90s about him, though a couple things were proprietary, but they are no longer. And, and I don't really care about the proprietary part. I'm just saying most people don't know the full extent of who and what Lee Oswald was. And spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you right now, he was in the intelligence community and he was set up to be the patsy. And as we go through and describe this and his amazing background and the things he did, you're going to say, whoa, a real talented guy, except he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn as a marksman. We'll talk about that as well, too. So anyway, I, I'm sure that you're going to enjoy this presentation. Uh, I really hope you get a lot out of it because here's why I do it. And I'll say this in the show. I, I cover the Kennedy assassination from time to time because I want to let the other side know, the deep state know, we're watching. We're watching. You got away with it to some degree, although we I can name the assassin. I can tell you who hired him. I can tell you who put him on the grassy knoll. I mean, I could tell you all that. And that's not what we're going to do here. 
But we need to keep this alive because we might be preventing another assassination. Hey, we're brought to you by Noble Gold, the very best in asset protection. Let me send you a free information packet. Go to DaveHodgesGold.com or if you're in a hurry, call 877-646-5347-877-646-5347. Got to tell you, any investment's risky and I'm doing my federal government part here and pass Events can't guarantee future events. Okay, that's out of the way. Let Noble Gold Health save your assets in this time of CBDC. Let's go to my presentation and let's, you know, it's hiding in plain sight. I think you're going to like this. Lee Oswald, who was he? Welcome to Hiding in Plain Sight, a production of the Common Sense Show, where we're freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And I think you're really going to appreciate what we do here. Hiding in plain sight, you know, we're going to cover a variety of topics, but boy, the Kennedy assassination, hiding in plain sight. And I'm going to do some periodic updates, uh, and especially now that there's a little bit of renewed interest in the topic. I'm going to get back into the Kennedy assassination, and I'll tell you why. And this is what I used to tell students when I was asked by various educators to come speak to their history classes about the assassination of John Kennedy. You know, one kid asked me one time, and it was, oh gosh, probably the 1990s, and he said, um, why is it important that we learn about this event that happened in 1963, and it's now over 30 years later? And I told him, that was a great question, but I said, this is why you study history, because if the bad things happen once, could they happen again? What do we learn from history? Do we want to repeat the mistakes? And, you know, Mark Twain said one time, you know, history may not repeat, but it sure does rhyme. And we're definitely looking at um, circumstances connected to Donald Trump and other politicians where I think their lives could be in grave danger. And it's just my personal opinion, but I, I think history shows that when you buck the deep state, bad, bad, bad things happen. And in this particular edition of Hiding in Plain Sight, I want to take a look at how Kennedy upset the deep state. Oh, and, you know, there's almost too many things to go into in the short amount of time that we have here to go through this. But I, I just want to say this to you very, very, very clearly. John Kennedy was his own man, and he really believed the office of the president meant something. He didn't think the president should be a stooge of the military-industrial complex and the rest of the deep state. And he took over when the military-industrial complex had just been exposed by Dwight David Eisenhower. We're going to get into that, all that, and more right here on The Common Sense Show. Hey, we're brought to you by these great, 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 great binoculars here. I love this. This is night vision binoculars. So what you want to see far away, up close, magnification of five times, you can do it with this because it's night vision. And this is great for wildlife enthusiasts, artists, but it's really good for protection. And what I mean by protection, if you see the bad guy for he sees you at night, you have a distinct tactical advantage. And this is why I have mine. And you can see it right here. I love this. 25% off coupon code Black Friday. And you can read more about the capabilities, which include 4K recording, still photos, five-time magnification, like I said. This is a marvelous device, and it's inexpensive, and it's really, really useful. And I recommend everyone have night vision. It's the great equalizer. 
go to nightwatchpro.com. That's nightwatchpro.com. The link is in the description box. Well, here on Hiding in Plain Sight, or really, I guess we could call it HIPS for short, this is the second edition of the show. And uh, we're now on the 60th anniversary of the death of John Kennedy. And I am so distraught. When I, it's bringing up old feelings. I I became interested in the assassination in the early 80s. I mean, as an adult, I, I really started to see, oh, man, this is bad. <laughs> And then I was introduced by my mentor, Bill Pollack, uh, to uh, Jim Mars. Love Jim Mars. Love the late Jim Mars. He was such a good guy. Became a good friend. He mentored me, too, in this topic area. And Jim and I explored some things together and independently. We'd get together when I started doing broadcasting in the early two, and well, it was about 2007, my first radio show. I interviewed him for an article I wrote um, over on Freedoms Phoenix. And all the way through the 90s, I became obsessed with Kennedy. And and I got a reputation for being a good presenter, and I started getting invitations to go to various local clubs, you know, like the Lions Club, the Kiwanis, uh, high school history classes, college history classes. And um, I told what I knew. And people would always ask me, why do we study it? And as I said before, so we don't let it happen to a future president. Because when you have a coup d'etat, and make no mistake about it, this was a coup d'etat. When you have a coup d'etat, then that disenfranchises the voters. In many ways, that's worse than what people accuse elections of being fraudulent, because people get no choice when their candidate of choice is taken out. And that's what happened to John Kennedy. And what I'd like to do here is I'd like to talk about Kennedy with regard to the enemies that he had. And when I say Kennedy, you can substitute the name Donald Trump because he's facing exactly the same things. Kennedy didn't feel legal repercussions, but he uh, he felt it. So I'm not going to go through the forensics of the assassination very much in this presentation. I want to focus on some of the peripheral stuff that people never look at. Most of you, if I say the magic bullet, you know it's the bullet that passed through Kennedy. Four inches of dense bone, slammed into Conley after it changed directions four times, and then he had changed an angle of descent twice. Hit him, pulverized five inches of his fifth rib, came out and did a right angle turn and went straight down and shattered the radius bone on his wrist. Yet the Zapruder film in 223, filmed uh, frame 223, shows him still holding the Stetson, even though his wrist had been blown apart. <laughs> yeah, the magic bullet. And then there was the timing problem, you know, the Italian mechanic carcaner. That rifle could not have fired three shots in the time that the assassination took, and we know how long it took because it's on film. Uh, but I'm not going to get into all that, you know, and the pristine bullet and blah, 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 blah. I'm not, that's not... The purpose here, I may do something with that one day because I might be talking to people that uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know the basics. But I want to talk about some of the peripheral issues. And primarily, as I said in the intro, what Kennedy did to upset the powers that be. Well, first of all, he wasn't even supposed to be the president. Richard Nixon was the boy of the CIA 
totally disloyal to his president when he was vice president, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, owned by the military industrial complex, actually helped oversee operations for the CIA in uh, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, the Golden Triangle, heroin trafficking, nothing new. Air America didn't start it, it was just a continuation of it. And Richard Nixon was really one dirty, you know what, he was. He was an evil, evil person. And he came within a stone's throw of becoming president, and he was the establishment's choice. But he got kind of double-crossed because, as the allegations go, John Kennedy's father, Joe Kennedy, disgraced former ambassador to um, England, and then he was uh, a bootlegger uh, for and worked with the mafia, had big-time mafia connections. And they used those mafia connections to bootleg during the Depression Prohibition period. And what did he do with that? Well, he used his contacts to help sway the election in Cook County, which is in part Chicago. <laughs> Otherwise, John Kennedy had never been president. Ergo, he never would have been assassinated. So he's elected and he ain't the guy. They don't want him. They have the establishment in place. They got uh, the CIA operative, uh, Alan Dulles. Um, He was on the Warren Commission. How would you like it if you had an assassination and they appointed all your enemies to be on the Warren Commission? Someday I'll do a presentation with that. But Alan Dulles was the chief guy, and he was Kennedy's main enemy. Kennedy actually fired him. So let's get into what did Kennedy do? Why did he make them so angry? And um, part of me says, well, I'm glad you asked that. Well, it starts out with the Bay of Pigs in Cuba. During the Eisenhower years, the American military uh, covertly through the CIA supported Fidel Castro, this rising baseball star who was also a handsome lawyer, And they thought, well, he'll be a good puppet for the Cuban government and we'll control him. And Castro, highly intelligent guy. And by the way, a lot of people said he was good enough to play Major League Baseball. Probably was. Um, But he had a dark side, an evil side to him. And he overthrew Batista. And then he started putting his finger up in the air and saying, gee, which way is the wind blowing? And who's going to give me more military aid? Is it going to be the Soviet Union, or is it going to be the United States? And the Soviets outbid the U.S., and he went communist, and the CIA wanted him dead. The other thing that he did was uh, Castro really pissed off the uh, mafia because before Vegas was Vegas, Vegas was in Havana. That's right. And all the illicit clubs and all the money laundering and the drugs and the prostitution and the gambling. He went to Havana to have a good time. And Castro nationalized the casinos and kicked the mafia out. Oh, did they want him dead? And there's something to realize here, too. And I hope that you listen to all my installments on Kennedy. We know that in World War II, the FBI and the OSS, the predecessor to the CIA, They hired and worked with mafia personnel to catch German spies on the docks who were sabotaging or spying for Nazi Germany during World War II. And that actually was a productive use of the mafia. But that continued. Then they started to use mafia hitmen for CIA hitmen and so forth and so on. So they have this unholy 
relationship. And this is one thing you need to know. CIA, mafia, mafia, CIA. Where you find one, you find the other, just like the cartels. Sinaloa cartel, China, China, Sinaloa cartel. Same kind of relationships exist today. Now, when you look at what happens We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here. And we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at thecommonsenseshow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at thecommonsenseshow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Next. Kennedy comes in and they said, "Uh, Mr. President, we've got to invade Cuba. What? Could be war with Russia. Are you kidding? Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to invade Cuba. We're going to, we've trained these Cuban refugees in Lake Pontchartrain Train Springs, uh, Louisiana, and they're ready to go. There's 1,400 of them. We're going to land them two hours from Havana, and then we're going to give them military support. We're going to give them air cover. We're going to give them cover from the ships, and maybe even send in the Marines if we need them. 
you're not going to do that. Kennedy said, you will not do this. So what ends up happening that's really interesting to me is the CIA says, oh, no, 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 we'll back Kennedy into a corner. Uh, They launched the invasion from different locations, primarily Guatemala, and it failed miserably on the beach. And while it was failing, they had the ships, but they couldn't intervene. And Dulles said, they're going to get destroyed, and they're going to link this back to us. And this will be public humiliation for you and your administration. (laughs) No such luck. Kennedy did not budge. He did not want to poke the bear in the Soviet Union and start a nuclear war with Nikita Khrushchev. Did not want to do that. So the invasion failed. Oh, now, now you got the mafia pissed at Kennedy. You got the CIA mad at Kennedy. And you have the Cuban refugees mad at Kennedy for what happened. Many of their brothers and fathers and uncles were in that invasion force that failed. They were either killed or they were put in prison for 30 years. Kennedy was not a popular guy with that crowd. Now, Kennedy came out and said, if this was a parliamentary form of government, I would be out of office. But because I'm not, I'm here, I have to make the right decision. I'm announcing the termination of Alan Dulles as the director of the CIA and Ernie Cowell. Uh, Ernie Cavill, interesting history. No one ever talks about this, but this is factual, factual. Jim Mars and um, Josiah Thompson have published. Kennedy, on his assassination day, was supposed to go down Main Street, 35 miles per hour. Bit a difficult target. Instead, Cavill, whose brother was the chief of police of Dallas, and published the parade route change in the paper, which is a big violation of Secret Service protocol. It says, oh, no, we're going to turn on to Elm, go on to Houston, and go by the book depository, and then history does its thing. And Kennedy's going 14 miles an hour around that curve when the first bullet uh, rings out. And that was arranged by the deputy director of the CIA, fired by Kennedy and his brother. Of course, that's just a coincidence. We won't go any further with that, but that is factual absolutely factual in fact a lot of people didn't even get the word that the parade route was changed my uncle owned a tool and die store on main street about two miles from dealey plaza and he didn't like kennedy and he called up my aunt edna and my uncle frank said where's kennedy supposed to be coming this way i wanted to see him you think someone shot that sob he felt terrible for saying that spent years in recrimination just saying how awful, how awful and terrible this was. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have that situation that he fires the sacred cows of the CIA, the deep state boys out in front. Mm -hmm. This was a big, big deal. Now, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, made up of old World War II generals headed by General LeMay, who will compromise Kennedy's Secret Service protection. We'll we'll get into that in another broadcast. But what ends up happening next is Russia says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, the Soviet Union, we're going to arm Cuba to the teeth. And they put nuclear missiles in Cuba. We had a U-2 spy plane fly over Cuba 
and it took pictures. And then later, a plane was shot down over Cuba. The American pilot was killed. Act of war. And now the Joint Chiefs were invading. Mr. President, we're invading. Everybody but John and his brother Bobby said, we're going, we're going. Now, it's damn lucky they didn't because nuclear weapons were already in place and the invasion force would have been destroyed on the beach. 100,000 men wiped out just like that. Kennedy's instincts were good. And the Russians were continuing to fortify Cuba, 90 miles from American shore. Three-minute launch for nuclear weapons to hit like Washington, D.C. This was a huge deal. And the Joint Chiefs said, we're going to war. He said, no, 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 we're going to try something different first. We're going to try a blockade. And he announced to the world, we're forming a blockade. And he said, any attack on from Cuba on America is an attack by the Soviet Union, and it will mean World War III. So then you got May. The month of May was hell on wheels. The blockade was set. The Russians showed no signs of backing off. So Kennedy contracted the blockade tighter around the island to give the Russians more time to think. And Khrushchev hit the chicken switch, and the Russian ships eventually sail off to the Mediterranean. But Kennedy was a man who wanted peace. The deep state was running America through the military-industrial complex. Not much has changed, has it? Absolutely not much has changed. So Kennedy started to negotiate with Nikita Khrushchev. He even did it through proxies. A French journalist with with Castro and says, we want to normalize relations. We need to get past all this. In the meantime, okay, the CIA had been trying to kill Castro. Castro said, well, this might be my way out. Uh, And then Norman Cousins, yeah, the author, he was sent by Kennedy to meet Khrushchev at his vacation home. And they negotiated, and basically they both agreed in principle, we need to stop the testing of nuclear weapons. We don't want to go down this path and destroy the world. And it's not good for the environment. Well, the military-industrial complex, every time they set off a nuclear bomb, they got to build two more to replace it, and that's a hell of a lot of money. They didn't want to hear that. Oh, my gosh, it got bad. And they knew about the Norman Cousins meeting. And so Kennedy and Khrushchev are exchanging messages, and they both agree to go to a form of limited nuclear disarmament. Now, if you make your money on nuclear weapons, that's your primary, um, you know, your Lockheed Martin um, and and your Raytheon and your your Bell helicopter. You want all these things to make money. And here this young upstart, youngest president in American history is coming along and telling you, no way can you do that. Absolutely no way. So what ends up happening? Well, Kennedy, in May of 1963, goes to American University, and this is where I think he sealed his fate. He gave the American University speech. It was marvelous. And he said things like, do we really want nuclear war and end humanity and civilization? He says, after all, the Soviets, us, we all live on the same small planet. We all breathe the same air. And he was talking about the need to get along. And Kennedy and 
Khrushchev looked like they wanted to end the Cold War. Oh, no, 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 no. That can't happen. Doesn't the president know he's selected, not elected? But he was an accidental election. I told you his dad had something to do with this. And it's much like Donald Trump. He wasn't supposed to be there. It was supposed to be the coronation for Hillary Clinton. Probably the biggest upset in American political history was Donald Trump winning. Very similar circumstances. History rhymes again. So as we go forward, that American University speech, May of 1963, Kennedy will be dead in six months. Now, let's turn our attention to Vietnam. Huge heroin trafficking coming out of the region called the Golden Triangle, which Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, huge profits from this. And the military-industrial complex and the CIA wanted war in Southeast Asia. Some of the military was anti-communist, and they didn't want the Russians overrunning what was happening. In other words, they wanted Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand to be free of communist rule. There were some that wanted to drug profiting. Kennedy said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to help South Vietnam. But he, but Kennedy had sent a couple of his friends, advisors, and they were friends. They came back and said, Vietnam is a bad, bad idea. Look what happened with the French. And even the Japanese, when they occupied Vietnam in World War II, they couldn't control it. No, we could get bogged down in a long-term war, take tens of thousands of American lives. It's a bad idea. Oh, boy. Kennedy said, I'll send military advisors, but then he really pissed off the Pentagon when he said, no high-ranking officers, no high-ranking DOD, okay, or military-industrial complex people, Military advisors. Now, originally sent 300. It grew to, um, oh gosh, what was 11,000? Then one day he was looking at a casual report. He goes, how many men have we lost in Vietnam? 175. He issued an order. Now, we're capping this right here. And then privately, he started to make plans after he was reelected in 1964. Then in 65, memorandum 223 and 224, he was going to withdraw everybody. Now, the president of Vietnam, South Vietnam, and his brother, Diem, the Diem brothers, they agreed. They didn't want American colonization. They wanted America help, but they didn't want to be colonized like they had been through with the French. So they were all too happy to keep American troops out, but take American weapons. Kennedy obliged to a point. The military-industrial complex and the Pentagon want all-out war. They want no limits. Kennedy wasn't about to give that to them. He said, we can't afford to do this. We're not going to do this. And when he announced that everyone was coming home in 65, he said, our mission will basically be complete in 1965. He put even a bigger target on his back. Now, in early November, the DM brothers were assassinated by the CIA, and they said the reason they had to do it is they were corrupt, and the people of South Vietnam were losing confidence in their government, and they had to do a regime change. 
two weeks later, John Kennedy was dead. Lyndon Johnson takes over. Eight months later, we have that false flag known as the Gulf of Tonkin incident. And it's been exposed in Congress with documents that have been released as a false flag operation. We're 800 miles away from South Vietnam in the Gulf of Tonkin. North Vietnamese PT boats allegedly attacked the Maddox, an American destroyer. No match. Stupid attack. No one would have done it. And then we started bombing North Vietnam. And then very shortly, by August, after Kennedy's death, we put 100,000 ground troops into South Vietnam, 800 miles away from the false flag incident. So much for a connection. Everything changed. Everything changed. Okay, let's go back to, we're gonna not going to go down this road, but I want to say this. Everything Kennedy did was reversed by Lyndon Johnson. Vietnam, the arms race. He gave, after Kennedy died in January, uh, two months later, Lyndon Johnson gave the military-industrial complex the biggest increase in nuclear weapons production in American history. Not an accident. Complete reversal of Kennedy's policies. Complete. So let's talk about the economy. Uh, Kennedy hated the Fed. He said they got too much power. They're a private organization. They have too much control over the government. They subvert democracy, blah, 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 blah. So what he did is he issued $4 billion of silver bullion, silver certificates. This was going to be like the Bitcoin of the day. It wasn't Bitcoin, but it was like the Bitcoin in concept. And what I mean by that with the in concept was this is that people could use it as legal tender. <laughs> yes. The Federal Reserve had competition. Uh-oh. Someone by the name of David Rockefeller, who owned Bell Helicopter, who got 90% of all U.S. defense contracts in Vietnam, and they subcontracted him out, wanted Vietnam. He was the chief of the board of directors for the New York Fed, Federal Reserve Bank. And Kennedy's screwing with him for a second time. But that won't be the last time. The boys in the oil industry, the Rockefellers and friends, they wanted something called the oil depletion allowance. And that meant that uh, they got an undue tax break for exploring for oil, and they got to write off the cost. And no other business gets to do this but the oil companies were. Well, Kennedy thought about obliterating it, and he says, no, I'll just cut it by about 60%, and he did. Again, Rockefeller slighted, Rockefeller pissed off, his ties for the old establishment. He donated the land that led to the building of the UN. His uh, father formed the Council on Foreign Relations in the 1920s. Yeah, you get the idea. I mean, we're leading up to Bilderberg, World Economic Forum crap in the modern era, but this was the genesis of everything was right here. And Kennedy was taking on the establishment full bore. The deep state was fully entrenched after World War II. And they had grown to enormous proportions, not as big as they are today, but for the day, considering where America had been, they grew to exorbitant power and they controlled a lot including the media, by the way. And they only had three networks to control then. Life was easy. And they controlled the Washington Post, the New York Times, and everybody else fed off of them. 
They got their stories off their news feeds. They controlled the AP and the UPI, which were the news release agencies. Pretty interesting stuff. And Kennedy had made enemies of all of these people. So to sum it up, who had motive to kill Kennedy? Was it the CIA? Yes. Was it the military-industrial complex? Yes. Was it the Federal Reserve? Absolutely. The oil industry? Yes. And mafia Cuban refugees, the whole nine yards, Kennedy had pissed all of them off, including the military leadership. He wanted peace. He was determined to have peace. And he wasn't real popular with a lot of people because he forced the admittance of James Meredith, a black man, into the University of Mississippi that was a segregated university. Oh, people were furious. Kennedy used the military to install him. He wasn't the first president to do that, though, with civil rights. Dwight Eisenhower in Little Rock uh, had black students forcibly admitted by the army, and they protected them in a high school in Little Rock in the 1950s. So Kennedy wasn't the first, but he did try a lot with civil rights. That didn't make people happy. So he he cared about people being equal. He cared about the American middle class and earning power, not throwing money away on uh, useless wars to make a few people richer. When you understand what I'm telling you about the Kennedy years and how those same elements are here today, you would never accept a military draft based on the Middle East or Ukraine. You would not. This is not a threat to American security. The events there are about helping Israel. I want to help Israel get Hamas. That's fine. I think we need to be a little more humane about our insistence on how we handle that war. But nonetheless, I I think it's important for you guys to realize that these people that are involved in this war and the people behind them want the money. Congress has insider trading, and I've talked about this openly, They have insider trading, and many of them have defense industry stocks. So the longer this goes on, the more money they make. And if it ends up in nuclear war, oh, well, too bad, so sad. They'll be in their bunkers under D.C. Continuity of government. So when you look at all this here, who killed Kennedy? Well, let's talk about Lee Oswald for a minute. He's an interesting guy, and no one ever talks about him. Nobody. And it's just incredible to me that they don't talk about him, except for he fired three shots that killed Kennedy and struck Governor Conley. And we know the forensic evidence has refuted much of that. In fact, the Warren Commission said Lee Oswald acted alone. He was a crazed, lone nut assassin who had a diary, blah, 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 blah. Well, the a House Select Committee on Assassinations in Congress did their own investigation in 1977, and they said, well, no, 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 we got proof here. We got a motorcycle radio that was stuck in the on position, and it recorded the shots of the assassination, and all the acoustic experts say two different guns were being used. They said, one, in the vicinity of the book depository, Two, in the vicinity of the infamous grassy knoll. Isn't that interesting? And that was the conclusion of the last investigation by the government. And the 
House Select Committee on Assassinations ordered the DOJ to reopen the investigation into Kennedy's death, and to this day, they still haven't. Talk about complicity. The The DOJ has been rotten to the core for a very long time. It was rotten then. It was rotten in the 70s. It's rotten today. Merrick Garland's just another stooge doing his job. So anyway, let's go forward with this enemies aspect of it. Lee Oswald. Terrible student, dropout, but but he was in a youth organization connected to military interests. And uh, his uh, handler at the time was David Ferry. Who was David Ferry? Oh, he trained Cuban refugees for the CIA for the invasion of Cuba and the Bay of Pigs. What? And Oswald's involved with him? Yes. And Oswald joins the Marine Corps. This is interesting history. This has all come out now. A lot of, not all the Kennedy documents have been released, and they've been ordered to be released by 2017, and they still haven't been. Somebody convinced Trump this could be really bad for you if you do it, and someone's convinced Biden of the same thing. So we still have un, unreleased documents, but we got some. We know Oswald was stationed at a U-2 spy plane base. We'll get to that in a second. But let's talk about his marksmanship skills, can we? He was a Marine, and they had three strikes and you were out. If you failed your marksmanship test three times, you were out of the Corps. They booted you. He failed two times. You got to think they fixed the results the third time, and stay with me. You'll see why I say that. He was a terrible marksman. Yet he fired shots from the book depository that many people have tried to emulate over and over and over unsuccessfully, both with timing, the angles, the obstructions, the speed of the vehicle. They have tried this, and on that day, this flunky of marksmanship did world-class shooting that's never been matched. He went from a bum to Michael Jordan. You can believe that if you'd like to. So let, let me continue and go a little further with this. After boot camp and he gets through, he's taught to speak Russian. What? The only way you do that is if you've got an intelligence operative. How do I know? Because my late brother-in-law was the same thing. Air Force, radar specialist, stationed in Alaska, taught to speak Russian for obvious intelligence reasons. I met my sister. Dad, intelligence. Brother-in-law, intelligence. Mm -hmm. And there's my sister. Um, And he was a wonderful brother-in-law. He was like a big brother to me. Treated me very well. Actually, was my basketball coach in high school. Um, So anyway, he, uh, this is after he retired, but he, he, um, he told me, my brother-in-law told me, we talked about Oswald once. He said, uh, that guy was intelligence. They didn't teach, teach anybody else to speak Russian in the military unless you were doing intelligence work. And he was at the U-2 spy plane base, and he had a very secure, highly classified job. And we know now he was monitoring U-2 spy plane communications that we used to fly over Russia to get information on their Soviet nuclear facilities. 
Uh, I'd say that's pretty high level, right? Oh, but he was just an average soldier. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Now, he claims he needs to get out of the Marine Corps suddenly because his mother is sick. The Marine Corps grants him the request. This is unheard of. I mean, if your mom dies, they might give you a few days to go to the funeral. Or if she's dying, you might get, you know, some compassion leave to go and visit. But you don't get out of the military, especially when there's still a draft going on. But they let him out. He goes and he spends three days with his mom. And then he defects to the Soviet Union. He walks into the American embassy. We even have the pictures. And he said, I identify with Soviet Russia. And they were constructing an identity for him. And he did go to Russia. Now, here's what's interesting. He spent two years there. And in that time, a real famous case called the U-2 spy plane shootdown of Gary Francis Powers took place. Gary Francis Powers actually alluded to in public conversations he thought he was betrayed because the Soviets should never have been able to shoot him down, given the technology. But who would have had the expertise to give the Soviets that information? But is Oswald really a traitor? I don't know. We had a program with Russia involving 40 men, and we can't get the list. It's redacted. And these 40 men, we know this is a program because you can get the document. You just get all the names redacted. And they defected to the Soviet Union. And the thinking is they were all from classified jobs. Give the Soviets a little of this and get a lot more back. So he goes to the Soviet Union. And he's working in a factory. And so we think he's got a mundane job. But wait a minute. He meets... And eventually will marry a lady named Marina, whose uncle was the deputy director of the KGB. Did you hear what I just said? He married the niece of the deputy director of the KGB. Now, you have the Gary Francis Power shootdown. You have his classified work with YouTube, uh, the YouTube planes. Now he wants to come back. When you give up your citizenship, they usually don't let you back. He renounced his citizenship. But he came back. The State Department gave him $500 and paid for his passage back to America. And he was able to bring his Soviet bride, the niece of the deputy director of the KGB, with him. When they settle in Texas. <laughs> Probably some of you, if you've not done the research I've done, and I'm proud of what I've done, I've really stuck my nose in this. I spent 15 hardcore years and 30 overall, but 15 really hardcore looking at this. Um, he should have been arrested for treason. I mean, we talk about people that, you know, name somebody talk about ed right made a movie about him oliver stone he said oh you can't spy on american people that way now he has to live in russia right okay this was worse and they let him back in 
and no conditions. But he goes to Louisiana for a while. Uh oh. You know what they were doing with Oswald there? He was passing out leaflets. It was called the Fair Play for Cuba. I'm a Marxist. So we used to tell people, I'm a Marxist. And he'd pass out these pro Castro leaflets in front of an address, and the address is 545 Camp Street. You know how many people were in the Fair Play for Cuba movement? One. Lee Harvey Oswald. (laughs) You couldn't make this stuff up. And there's 545 Camp Street right here. And then an adjacent building that's connected. It's like on two streets, right? You've seen those buildings where a street comes together in a diagonal. It was one building. And that building was the head of gun shipments for the Cuban refugees that were going to invade the Bay of Pigs. And and Oswald just coincidentally was there. Oh, but we have him in the CIA, too. And in the naval intelligence. When he was arrested... He had a naval intelligence ID card that said Alex Heidel, naval intelligence. Mm -hmm. And he also had a 20 form on him that's been disclosed before Congress. And I'll tell you, if the Warren Commission had this information, they had a hard time covering it up. He was a CIA operative they were branding as a bad actor. Someone to be concerned about, someone who's unstable. Lone Nut Assassin. They were already creating the profile. And David Ferry and he remained in contact. Remember the guy that was training Cuban refugees for the invasion? So, as we continue to go forward with this story, I think it's really important for us to realize that Oswald wasn't who he said they said he was. He wasn't just a lone nut assassin who killed Kennedy because of what happened with uh, Cuba. No. There's more to this story that leads down the assassination, but remember, we're just sticking with who he made enemies with, but the Oswald situation, Oswald was a patsy. He was a crappy shooter. He'd been an intelligence operative. He just happened to go to work at the book depository where they changed the parade route three days before to take the car in front. A lot of coincidences to buy, aren't there? And then did Oswald get a trial? When he was uh, being booked and then transferred to his jail cell, the media was there and they yelled out at him, Did you shoot the president? No, I didn't shoot anybody. I'm just a patsy. There's tape of that. Network tape. Two days later, you ready for this one? You don't know this. Two days later, they're, for some unknown reason, going to transfer Oswald from the Dallas jail to the county jail. There's no rhyme or reason why they do it. Then he had a mafioso who worked under Al Capone at one time. And he owned the carousel club that, by the way, Oswald had been placed in. Oh, they knew each other. And another topic for another time. 
But Jack Ruby was a mafioso. And he seemed like he had half the Dallas police force on his payroll. They'd come in, they'd party with the girls and this and that. All right, now you're transferring the accused assassin of the President of the United States. And Oswald gets into the garage where he's being transferred. How does that happen? He was known to the Dallas police as mafia. Prostitution, drugs. And he ran guns to Louisiana. Oh, could have been Bay of Pigs? Yes, it could have been. Remember, Mafia, CIA worked together? We've already established that. So as we go forward, Jack Ruby runs out of the crowd, pulls his gun out, and shoots Oswald in the abdomen. And Oswald, after almost surviving, dies on the operating table. Couldn't let him have a trial. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. He didn't have a trial. I'm just a patsy, he said. What tale would he have told? Now, here was the excuse they gave for Jack Ruby. (laughs) This is almost laughable. This mafioso, and all that that means, said, they said about him, he killed Oswald to spare Mrs. Kennedy the pain of having a trial. Wait a minute. If you have a spouse or a relative killed, don't you want a trial to get to the truth? Don't you want it exposed? The, The explanation didn't even make sense. That's Lee Oswald. What do you think? I'm just scratching the surface. And all this information is hiding in plain sight. In the 90s, I had to really dig to get this. And now so many people have. See, Oliver Stone is a true American hero. I have so much respect and admiration for Oliver Stone. And so did my friend Jim Mars, who actually worked with Oliver on his movie JFK. Oh, best thing ever done. And I look back on it now, and this was in the 90s, and I'd say I look back now, he was 99% accurate. There was very few things in there I looked at and says, yeah, I know this isn't quite accurate, but boy, this other stuff, it's all the way through, it's accurate. Um, and you know, I try to see the movie JFK. It really gives you a good overview. And they get into the military-industrial complex in the deep state, even though they don't use the terms. They have a deep throat figure that gives um, the main um, character, Kevin Costner, um, playing Jim Garrison, the attorney that brought the only trial in the Kennedy assassination, giving him secret information, telling him where to look. Um, and he alludes to the deep state and the military industrial complex. But Oswald was an intelligence operative. And I'll give you one other fact about Oswald that's just bizarre. In 1963, there was absolutely no gun control in this country. You could go in and buy a gun, didn't have to do registration. There was nothing. So the rifle that's linked to the assassination, the rifle, the Italian rifle. Oswald could have walked into any store in Dallas and bought it and paid cash and used a fake name. Instead, he orders from a catalog, which was like online to the day, a catalog, an actual physical book you'd have, 
from a gun store in Chicago, and he used the name Alex Heidel. Wait a minute. You've heard that before, right? Alex Heidel was on his naval ID that he had in his possession when the police captured him at the movie theater. And oh, by the way, I should say something about the movie theater. If you draw a line from the book depository to the movie theater and you keep going straight, it ends up at Jack Ruby's apartment complex. I know that's just a coincidence, but nonetheless, that's true. Someone told me that. I go, you got to be kidding me. And they got the map out and showed me. I go, this is true. Hell of a coincidence, isn't it? So why did he go to the trouble of buying the rifle that they say was involved in the assassination where it could be traced to him in his alias ID? When he could have walked into a store and used any name and ordered the same thing. And for cheaper, no shipping costs. Does that even make sense? No, it's called, we're setting you up to be a patsy. Now, Lee Oswald wasn't the only Lee Oswald. The president was scheduled to go to San Antonio the next day. Guess who was buying a car in San Antonio? Lee Oswald. But he was never in San Antonio. A lot of people believe that someone named Lee Oswald was going to shoot President Kennedy no matter where it happened. Anyway, I thought I would share this with you. I hope that you have enjoyed this presentation of hiding in plain sight. But uh, the people that say he was a lone nut assassin. Oh, wait a minute. Lone nut. We got to close with this. This is really interesting. In his trip back to the United States on a ship from Soviet Union with his Soviet wife, who should have been considered to be a national security risk. He wrote a diary expressing extreme frustration and wanted to kill John Kennedy. And he didn't say it quite that bluntly, but that's the assumption everyone's made. That diary was used to link him to motive. Now, what were the three major assassinations of the 20th century? They all happened within five years of each other. In November of 1963, John Kennedy's murdered. In June of 1968, Bobby Kennedy was murdered. Three months before, in March, Martin Luther King was murdered. They all three were opposed to the Vietnam War. That's not the only things they had in common. I just thought I would link that. But all three men were killed by a lone, media words, lone nut assassin with a diary saying what they were going to do. Man, I wish I could go out and buy some lottery tickets with these kind of coincidences. This is amazing. But that's what happened. And that's Lee Oswald. I thought you'd find this interesting. If you want me to do more, and I've got a lot more on this, let me know. Drop me a message. I appreciate hearing from you. And if you want to add your two cents in there, please, by all means, do so. We'll see you back here next time. Thanks for joining us on Hiding in Plain Sight, brought to you by The Common Sense Show. 
We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.